channel once with me, Sam Olson, and sadly no Stuart today, who is off doing something he can't get out of. But I'm very excited to have someone back, a friend of the show, to talk some more about cultural aspects of China. So Andrew Methan, for those of you who remember, is the author of Slow Chinese, that newsletter on Substack, which is doing incredibly well. And it's designed to help learners of Chinese to sort of maintain and improve their language and also to showcase some of the latest language trends in China. And I thoroughly recommend it if you want an amusing insight into, into Chinese language every week. Welcome back, Andrew. Sam, thanks for having me back. And uh, yeah, it's really great to be back and discuss this interesting and confusing topic of Christmas in China. Yes, Christmas in China. And it's something that I, well, both of us have had quite a lot of experience in over the years and being in and out of China around that time. And it is a great time to be in China because it's so different. And that's what we wanted to to do this podcast, because it's if you did think about Christmas in Norway, where my dad's from, for example, there are quite a few differences, but it's not quite alien enough to be of interest for a half an hour podcast. (laughs) Whereas this, I think we're going to be able to wring quite a lot of differences out in this particular episode compared to what everyone thinks in the West. So I suppose to kick things off, Andrew, obviously, you know, even though there are 100 million or so Christians in China now, no one's quite sure of the figures. But out of 1.4 billion, it's not that great. And obviously, Christianity is not anywhere near state religion uh, in China. So it's not a religious holiday, Christmas, but it is celebrated to some extent. So the question is for our listeners, Andrew, how do the Chinese celebrate Christmas? And what are the sort of main traditions that they have compared to what we would find familiar? Uh, OK, well, I think, first of all, as you were saying, Sam, it's it's really different. But I think one of the confusing things is it looks kind of similar on the surface. So around Christmas time, maybe not this year because of, you know, lockdown and COVID and what have you, but generally around by this time in China, in the big cities, in shopping malls, you can see enormous Christmas trees. You know, there's probably armies of Father Christmases around doing stuff, even kind of organized dances and things like that. In offices, especially those that have an international connection, you know, you'll have Christmas trees and, and things like that. So it kind of looks similar to begin with, but maybe a lot more neon and uh, you might say Christmas on steroids. But actually beneath that, there are some really interesting differences. So in terms of how is it celebrated in China, as you said, it, it's not a religious holiday first. Uh, it's not an official holiday either. So it's not a day off, but it is recognized and celebrated, but in, in quite a different way. So generally it's more celebrated or recognised by younger people, so people, I would say, under the age of 40. I would say it's it's very commercial. It looks and feels very commercial. So it's not really a shopping festival now, but I think before Double Eleven shopping festival, it, there was definitely a very... Hang on, Andrew. We spoke about Double Eleven in our last podcast, but our listenership has tripled since then. So there will be a lot of people who uh, perhaps won't be familiar with Double Eleven. Do you want to just quickly say what that is? Yeah, sure. So that was a festival. It happens on the 11th of November every year. Well, it's actually a three or four week campaign up to the 11th of November. And it's called Singles Day. And it's a shopping festival. I think it was conceived by Alibaba. And it's turned into a huge commercial uh, extravaganza, mostly online, but generally across China around November. It is a huge shopping festival. And I think maybe that's taken a little bit away from how Christmas had been commercialized before. But nonetheless, it's still very much 
visible uh, in China, particularly among younger people. I've read it, it being compared to Valentine's Day or St. Patrick's Day, where it's kind of a single day. People go out, have fun, maybe go and eat or, you know, just be out and about. So it's definitely not a family thing. Uh, it's not a religious thing. Um, and it's really young people having it as a, an excuse or, or as a reason to either go shopping or to go out and socialize. Got it. And actually, we've got a podcast coming up very soon about Chinese food and the relationship, well, including Christmas book festivals and stuff, which would be great fun. But in, in, in this specific context, have you ever heard of Chinese restaurants doing mass turkey or anything Western uh, for Christmas lunch? Yeah, so I think, again, I've not been in China during Christmas for years. And also I'd caveat that I haven't been to China for more than three years now. So maybe things have changed over recent years. But I mean, normally in the big cities, you'll have the international hotels doing Christmas dinner, which, you know, where years and years ago I, I did that. I think I can't remember where, but somewhere in South China. Uh, so, yeah, you can certainly, if you're looking for a proper roast turkey Christmas dinner in China, you could probably find it in, in one of the big international hotels in, in the main cities. Uh, there are some interesting changes. So there's a dish in Chinese called Eight Treasures Duck Ba Bao Ya. That is a little bit like it's a, it's a stuffed duck and it's stuffed with different types of meats and also kind of sweet fruits as well. And so that seems to be something that's replaced the turkey. And so if, you know, if I were kind of a 30-something Chinese person wanting to go out uh, with my friends on Christmas evening, then I might find myself ordering a Eight Treasures duck instead of a, um, a turkey. So th there's the kind of an equivalent dish. But apart from that, I've not seen any other kind of particular foods that you would eat around Christmas in China. So what else has been co-opted into making Christmas more Chinese? Is, is there any other traditions which are which we wouldn't recognise, but which are considered nonetheless to be part of Christmas in China? Yeah, so I think, uh, and again, interestingly, it's there's a lot to do with how the language works. The Chinese language works around Christmas and that, then how that's influenced how some of the traditions around Christmas have been sinified or, or Chinified. Uh, so the first thing is... The word for Christmas Eve in Chinese is not really what it should be. So the translation for Eve, the word Eve is Qianxi, the night before. So for example, Chinese New Year, that's the word, Qianxi. Uh, but on Christmas, Christmas Eve is Ping An Ye, which means translates directly as silent or peaceful night. The reason why it's called that is because of the translation of the Christmas song, Silent Night, Holy Night. So that song is translated as Ping An Year. That is good. That is very interesting. Yeah. And so for some reason, uh, and of course, don't forget, Silent Night, Holy Night is originally a German song yeah. that was written in the, I think, the 19th century. Obviously, that's come into the English language Christmas tradition and then it's been translated into Chinese and then has become part of the Chinese tradition, but in a different way. So Christmas Eve is Ping An Year, peaceful night or peaceful evening. And because of that, there's a homophone in Chinese. So Ping is also the word for apple, Ping Guo. Ping An is peace, Ping Guo is apple. So on Christmas Eve, a gift that you would give someone is an apple. Songa Ping Guo, 
Like a peace apple. Peace apple. Song of Ping An Guo. So that's one tradition that's very Chinese and you wouldn't get as part of Christmas elsewhere. So a great gift to give in China at, at any time is an apple because of the symbolism. And actually, I only recently realized that I think Songa Ping Anguo actually has come from the Chinese version of Christmas. But now it's, you can use it more widely, not just as part of Christmas. So I think that's one of the, that's one of the big differences. So, you know, it's interesting because it's purely because of the language and how it was translated in the first place that, that has then impacted on how you give a gift during Christmas in China. But then you've still got the gift giving part of it. It's just quite different. So that um, that is definitely one of the, the main differences. What else isn't included in Christmas uh, in, in China in terms of the language? What else isn't included? So, well, first of all, the way you say Happy Christmas in Chinese is very straightforward translation. Sheng Dan Kuai Le. Sheng is uh, saint or kind of, you know, God. Dan is to be born. Sheng Dan Jie is Christmas. So, you know, saint born festival. And then Sheng Dan Kuai Le is how you say Happy Christmas. And that's pretty much a straightforward translation. As I said, the Ping An Year, the, the peaceful night Christmas Eve, I think is probably the main difference in terms of language. But then also, it's quite interesting in what's the same. So Father Christmas is definitely, he's the main character in Christmas in China, Sheng Dan Lao Ren. And I think that's because an older person in, in Chinese culture is generally seen as very respected and wise. So an elderly, white-haired man, you can see that that kind of fits culturally. So that's been absorbed. You know, the colours also work. So red and white. There's a phrase in Chinese which is hong bai xi shi. So red, white, kind of happy times. Uh, red is the colour you wear at a wedding in China. White is the colour you wear in a funeral. Uh, and so generally the phrase for everything to do with festivals and important kind of events is described as in the colours of red and white. So Father Christmas wears red and white. So you can see how that culturally fits. So, you know, Father Christmas is definitely in there because he fits culturally, both in terms of respect for the older generation and also the colours that he wears. I think generally he's just seen on his own. Reindeers feature a little bit as well. Christmas trees are also, that's also part of the symbolism. But other than that, I think everything else is quite different, both in terms of, as we were saying, who celebrates it, how they celebrate it. That's all very different. And then, of course, there are these really confusing parts of it around Father Christmas is sometimes seen with a saxophone. Now, I was going to ask you about that. Now, because that is definitely something which, is, which most Westerners would think was slightly incongruous because Father Christmas and a saxophone is not a usual combination. Is that actually a thing or, or is it just sort of, is it a bit of a joke? So I think it is a thing. You know, I'd not really thought about it until I was reading into it more ahead of our discussion. But yeah, you will often see not a real, as in a, a, you know, a human Father Christmas. I've not seen many of them, but, you know, a statuette of a Father Christmas, you'll often see them holding a saxophone, a kind of life-size figure. And there, there is no good explanation as to why this is. There's a couple of theories, the main one being that generally during Chinese festivals, there's some kind of musical instrument associated with it. Uh, so, for example, 
around Chinese New Year, you know, you've got drums or gongs or, you know, Chinese instruments. So therefore, uh, the main character of Christmas in China being Father Christmas, it's not unusual for him to therefore be holding a musical instrument. Uh, the saxophone is seen as a very much Western invention, which it is. So uh, the best theory I've come up with is that because it's a festival, the main guy involved in the festival needs a musical instrument in China because that's just how it goes. And because it's a Western import, therefore he should be holding a Western instrument. And a saxophone seems to be the one that people have decided, maybe because it's more portable than many other instruments. So that, that's the best theory I've, I've found on why Father Christmas is often seen holding a saxophone in China. Okay, so that kind of works. It would have been sort of, well, many, many instruments he could have chosen instead, uh, like guitar or whatever, but saxophone, so be it. But here's a question. Why is he also seen with sisters rather than elves? You very, very rarely see or even hear people talk about elves in China, which obviously Will Ferrell must be a bit annoyed about for his film <laughs> marketing. Yeah, so again, Sam, this is one of those really annoying questions that normally when you're researching something on the Chinese internet, Baidu has the answers to everything. But this is one of those questions that there is no good answer for. And so, again, I'm just coming up with my own theory on this, but I think it could be something to do with language, actually. So the idea of, you know, an elf, I think that's a really alien concept in China. And the word for elf in Chinese, which is jingling, it does kind of work in translation, but I think it, maybe it's just too much of an alien concept uh, to be part of what's absorbed into Christmas in China. And also, you know, a jingling, an elf in Chinese, well, an elf is a supernatural or kind of, you know, not necessarily a ghost, but something that's supernatural. And then the imagery of Christmas in China, you've got a wise old man who's dressed in red and white. In the Chinese context you can see that this kind of supernatural being doesn't really fit with it which is kind of ironic when because the whole point is that father christmas is a supernatural being in the west it's like someone that can miraculously go through through chimneys and fly through the sky yeah i mean it's, it's true so again this this is just my theory but i think because father christmas looks you know like a kind of a wise old man i think that's like, you can kind of get that and of course a lot of how China sees Christmas now is very much influenced by the more modern commercialized version of Christmas that we get in the Western world as well. Uh, and so that's also part of it. But I think the fact that elves, they're not part of it, and instead Father Christmas apparently has sisters, maybe that's partly to do with how you see, you know, perhaps more in the US, you know, in terms of um, Santa's helpers often being women dressed in Christmas kind of clothing uh, and maybe it's just that the elf is just a step too far to be absorbed into Chinese Christmas and actually they just want to stick with Father Christmas holding a saxophone <laughs> yeah fair enough no, elves aren't everyone's cup of tea anyway so uh, what about we mentioned about shopping now one of the things I remember about being in and around China for Christmas was the sheer excitement about how much could be bought and also Considering the, a lot of the people I'll be talking to were businessmen and women selling tat 
and how much money they could make over the Christmas period. But you said that uh, it's slightly being eclipsed by this new Alibaba phenomenon, 11.11. But is Christmas still considered to be like a big shopping bonanza? Or is it coalescing into something slightly different from that? Now you've got the competition with with 11.11. Yeah, so I think it's certainly the the shopping festivals in China have definitely, I mean, they've just become so big. And I think that's a response to what, what seems to be this um, you know, need for people to consume, particularly younger generations, just the level of wanting to buy and shop and stuff. This is definitely a phenomenon of modern China. I think Christmas, I think it's still seen very much as a time to, to consume, whether that be uh, shopping or going out and having fun, uh, you know, eating out. The word that I've most seen Christmas described at in Chinese is Huan, which is like a um, kind of festival or carnival type atmosphere. And I, actually, I just think there are so many festivals of various sorts in China. I think generally, culturally, the idea of a festival, a jiere, it's just part of the Chinese calendar. But the way these festivals have manifested in modern China can be quite different. So for example, the two main holidays in China to do with you know, the country, i.e. Uh, National Day holiday in October and Dragon Boat Festival, they're to do with you know, China and the kind of nation. But people look at that now as times, uh, time to go on holiday or to go overseas and take a seven to 10 day holiday. And so again, that's, that's probably quite different to how people would have celebrated that holiday, you know, 50, 60 years ago. Uh, and so I think consumption is just part of modern China. And the shopping festivals that have come about over the last 10 years have definitely overtaken Christmas as being a, a shopping type festival in China. But I think there's still a lot of consumerism around it, much as there is here in the UK and elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, consumerism is now a huge part, if not the dominant part of, of Christmas in, in large parts of the West. So it's not a surprise it's gone that way in, in China. But I suppose just to finish off, what would you say the differences between Christmas and China's New Year are? I mean, obviously there's a consumerism aspect in both. But what are the similarities and, and differences? So I think, uh, actually, I would say in terms of how Christmas is celebrated in the West, there are lots of equivalents of how Chinese New Year is celebrated in China. So it's about family coming together. So, you know, Christmas holiday here in the UK for me, you know, that week is pretty much every single day you've got another family home or you know you're doing something and seeing family and eating you know giving gifts and it's kind of that Chinese New Year is very much like that generally people will try and travel home when they go to their hometown maybe they've not been back for a year so there's lots of seeing obviously parents but then relatives there's a set calendar of you know the first day in the new year you see the grandparents on one side then the next day you see the grandparents on the other side so it's all about visiting family and I think actually for the younger generation in China, it can often be quite stressful because they'll be asked about, you know, are they married yet? How much money are they making? You know, what does the future hold? So actually Christmas, therefore, can be seen as a bit of a release in China because it's not about family. It's just about having fun, going out and, you know, either having a meal or going shopping. So I think there are parallels between how Christmas is celebrated in the West and how Chinese New Year is celebrated in China. Um, But then, of course, you have uh, high levels of consumerism in China around Chinese New Year, uh, as you do in Christmas 
uh, around Christmas in, in the West. So I would say actually those two, are, they're kind of quite similar in many ways, but just the, the version of Christmas in China is very different to Chinese New Year. Brilliant. Well, on that note, I suppose that's to say Shengen Kuai Le and to wish all our uh, uh, listeners a very happy Christmas. And thanks again, Andrew, for coming on. It's always good to, to look at Chinese culture through the language. And I hope people have learned a fair bit about the differences and a few of the similarities as well. Thanks so much for having me, Sam. It's great to be here. And um, yeah, happy Christmas. Look forward to seeing you in the new year. And check out Slow Chinese if you haven't already. We'll be in touch with you next year. Thanks so much, Andrew. All the best. All right. Thanks, Sam.